you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 10 today. Kids want to get their, their stuff ready. Uh, last week, we talked about how Jesus is the, the door to the sheepfold. We're talking about the seven different I am that Jesus mentions in John. And so today, we're going to read from John 10 and 11. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Let's pray one more time together. Jesus. Hallelujah, God, I thank you for your presence that's here. God, I pray in your name, let your anointing flow the rest of the service. God, I pray you anoint our ears to hear your word and my mouth to speak it. I pray in Jesus' name, God, let your will be done today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. And you can be seated if you want. Uh, there are seven different times in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, I am, and then follows it with a, a statement or seven different things that Jesus says he is. Uh, we talked so far about the bread of life, how he's everything that we need. He sustains us. He gives us life. We've talked about how he said, I am the light of the world. He shows us our sins so we can change. He gives us hope and peace. Uh, and our job is like the moon to the sun to reflect light into the darkness around us. Last week we talked about how he is the door and the only way to salvation is through Jesus. And I think it's good to study these, these different things and that's how Jesus refers to himself, to the people that he ministered to, to show them who he was. And so it's good for us to go through them. It helps us get a clearer picture of who Jesus is. And last week, Jesus said that he was the door to the sheepfold. Uh, we talked a little bit about a sheepfold, the design of it. Um, Annabelle can tell you what it looks like. She actually knows now. But basically, you know, you got some walls, whatever shape it is. They got a little doorway, and um, Jesus said he was a door. So the, a shepherd would sit in the doorway at night and sleep there. So the only way to get in was through the door, and that's why he said that. So it goes to say that if he is the door to the sheepfold, he is also the good shepherd that is that door. So Jesus, right after he says, I am the, uh, the door of the sheepfold, he says, I am the good shepherd. And um, last week we talked about um, why he was saying this. And he, he started with a parable in John 10, verse 1 to 5. We'll read that again. He said, Moses, surely I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will be by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of Stranger. So Jesus is explaining this parable to the people around and He's also using this as a direct comparison to the story in John 9 about the blind man, the, the spittle and the pool washing. And 
um, being healed and the Pharisees kicking him out of the temple. So this is kind of part two to last week. So again, he says that he's a shepherd. And the shepherd to the Jewish people at the time was a, a word that they would use to describe any type of leader, not just one of sheep. They would use it for their, their king, the king and they would say that they're the flock of Israel and uh, any ruler or rabbi, whatever, shepherd was synonymous with a leader. So not only is he our shepherd, but he's our leader, he's our king, he's our rabbi, he's who we follow. And he tells them, he says, I am the good shepherd. And then he lays out four things that he does as that good shepherd. And as a person whose last name is Shepherd, um, with the profession that I have, um, I've heard this often. Oh, the good shepherd, eh? Right? If you said that to me, I apologize. Stop it. <laughs> Jesus is the good shepherd. I am merely a mediocre shepherd at best. <laughs> you can call me the mediocre shepherd if you want. But Jesus is the good shepherd. And everyone says that as a joke, I know. But there's only one. Jesus. There's only one good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. So John 10, 11 to 13, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is in hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. And the hireling flees because he is in hireling and cares not for the sheep. So he says, the good shepherd, the first thing that he does as the good shepherd, he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In the Old Testament, the sheep died for the sins of the shepherd. In the New Testament, the shepherd died for the sins of the sheep. And five times in this passage, Jesus tells them that he's going to die and lay down his life. He says, I am the good shepherd the word. Good there means intrinsically or essentially, naturally good, beautiful, and fair. The best of the best. We, nowadays, in the English language, we overuse the word good. Like, oh, that's good. And we use it as, you know, it's okay-ish. It's not the best. It's good, right? No, I was buying paintbrushes to paint the house. And there's one store where they had good paintbrushes, it said, better and best. Right on the handle, we got the better. The best was too much. It's just a paintbrush. But we use good and it's not a big deal to us. But in the Bible, when they use the word good, it's, it's not what it means. It doesn't mean, you know, third best. It doesn't mean okay-ish. You know, when God created the world, what, what did he say? I said he saw that it was good. It was good. Not just okay. Good in the Bible means the best. He's not just an okay shepherd. He's not a mediocre shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's the best shepherd there is. There's none better than him. And he compares himself in this story to the other religious leaders. He calls them thieves and liars. And then he switches and starts calling them a hireling. A hireling was someone who was just hired to watch the sheep. You probably figured that out from the name. Maybe the shepherd needed a day off. Maybe he had a wedding to go to. Maybe he was, I don't know, had to go get groceries. I don't know. So he hires a guy from the day to take care of the sheep. And it says 
The hireling sees the wolf coming, leaves his sheep and flees. And the wolf catches him and scatters the sheep. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and sees not or cares not for the sheep. So he says these false leaders, the, the enemy, whatever you want to use, our society, whatever, however you want to view, the, view this, they don't care for the sheep. When trouble comes, they run. Right? People put their hopes in so many things, so many different leaders and politicians, the economy, whatever. But as soon as any trouble comes, you're on your own. Because they don't care for the sheep. We put our trust to these hirelings, these other things that aren't Jesus. And then as soon as something bad happens, you're on your own. They're not the good shepherd. I don't get paid enough to deal with this. Has anyone ever said that at work? <laughs> I said that a lot as a manager. Because McDonald's, I don't, I don't get paid enough to deal with this. Someone else can deal with it. Pass it on to someone else. Because I worked for McDonald's, as you've heard. And that wasn't my company. I didn't own that company. If I did, I would have more money than I do. I didn't pay for that company. There was nothing, you know, I just put my time in, right? You know, I just work there. I don't know, I just work here, right? That wasn't my company. But when it's yours, it's different. When it's yours, you'll fight for it. When it's yours, you'll defend it. It says, but he that isn't hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not. That's the... That's the thing. They don't care because they're not, you're not really their sheep. They're not really your shepherd. In order to be part of a flock, a sheep was either bought or born into the flock. There's a price that was paid. And as a good shepherd, Jesus has paid the price for us. He said, I will lay down my life for the sheep. He laid down his life for us. In 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, it says, For as much as ye know that ye are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. So you weren't you are redeemed by silver and gold or whatever. It says, But with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He paid for us. Not with silver and gold, something you just get, whatever. He paid for us with his own precious blood. Blood. As a good shepherd, he died for his flock. He paid a price for the flock. We are his and we belong to him and he cares for us. No one else has paid that price and no one else will ever pay that price. No one else will ever love you like Jesus. The first thing he says is, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. And the second thing, the good shepherd knows his sheep. Verse 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, so even so I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Again, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And the word know in the Bible always indicates some sort of intimacy, some close relationship. You know, now we're like, oh, I know that person because... We have 14 mutual friends on Facebook and we added them and we've never actually met them in person, but we know them. And so we use the word now. But know in the Bible sense, very close relationship. Um, he knows his sheep and his sheep 
know him. He says, if we are his sheep, if we are in the flock, if we've gone through the door that we talked about last week, we should know him and we should be close to him. There's a closeness, there's an intimacy we should have with the shepherd. We should spend time with him daily, prayer and reading his word, walking with him. God used to meet Adam and Eve daily in the cool of the evening, the Bible says. That was his plan. A close relationship with people and sin ruined that. But when we come to salvation, we're born again. We go through him, through the door. That relationship, that closeness with God can be reestablished. Now, unfortunately, if you have sheep um, in a flock, there are sometimes sheep who will spend all their time trying to get out of the flock and escape. You know, greener pastures and all that stuff. Um, they spend no time trying to get to know the shepherd. We need to know him. We can't spend all our time trying to get out. We need to know him. We need to be close to him. He says, my sheep know me. I know them. A shepherd knows his flock. He knows the names of his sheep. He knows our names. He knew Simon's name before he met him. Jesus saw Nathaniel under a tree before he came to him. He knew Zacchaeus' name when he was up in the sycamore tree. He called Mary by name in the garden. There's something about someone knowing your name. Again, back to McDonald's. Some random McDonald's in the middle of nowhere, I don't know. A customer went in one day and the employee knew the name of the customer. And to that customer, just, wow, this is the greatest thing ever. Somebody knows my name. And they made a big deal about it and wrote to the head people. And they're like, wow, look at how great this McDonald's is. So then somebody at headquarters is like, I got a great idea. Why don't we get you to write everyone's name down on the receipt for their food? And then you can call out their name instead of their order, and it'll make them feel special. <laughs> and they just went crazy with it. So we had to write people's names down. And we'd get in trouble if we didn't. Because it makes someone feel special. You know, you go to Starbucks or whatever, and they ask for your name, and they write it on the cup, and they usually spell it wrong. But even though all that is a little bit superficial, you know, write a name on a receipt or a cup, some people like the fact that someone knows their name. They're like, oh, I got a, a drink here. For Ryan, I'm like, oh, I'm Ryan. Instead of like, whatever, macchiato, frappuccino, cappuccino, whatever. You know how, I've ever been to Starbucks, they have long names for their drinks. My name is a lot easier. So, what am I saying? <laughs> Some people like the fact that someone knows their name. It makes a person feel seen. It makes them feel special. Even if it's just for a moment, someone just calling out your order, just for a moment. I met a preacher at a convention. I met the man three times in two days. Introduced myself to him three times in two days. And every time he acted like it was the first time he'd seen me. We had conversations. Later on that day, I met him again. What's your name? I've already told you. We've already talked. Not a fan. He didn't remember my name. Shepherd's easy to remember, right? And the preacher's thing you would think. He knows our name. Jesus knows our name. 
Psalm 91 and 14. He says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He knows our, he knows our name. And he knows our characteristics. He knows what makes us us. Sheep are all the same looking. If you aren't the shepherd, you just see the sheep. Yeah, that's a sheep. Yep, that's also a sheep. They look the same, right? But they all have individual personalities. You look at the disciples. They were all completely different. There was Peter who was loud and abrasive. There was Andrew who was just quiet and steady. There was John who was known for being loving. There was Philip who was a numbers guy. And there was Judas. Well, we won't get into him. But Jesus knew all of that. And he called them all individually. He knows what makes us who we are. And he calls us in spite of that or because of that sometimes. And he loves us anyway. And the good shepherd, so he knows our name. He knows who we are. He knows our our needs. The shepherd knows when the sheep need to go to a a new pasture. The shepherd knows when uh, a sheep needs to be anointed with oil. The Bible says uh, to keep the flies off, the insects out. Um, when the sheep needs water or shelter or protection or medicine or shearing or milking or attention, whatever the case is. And Jesus knows our need. He taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. If we read through Psalm 23, we can clearly see that the shepherd knows the needs of the sheep. Sometimes it's a rod, sometimes it's a staff, sometimes it's still water, sometimes it's pasture, sometimes it's just through the paths of the Righteousness or the valley of the shadow of death. But Psalm 23, it starts with, I shall not want, and it ends with, all the days of my life. It's bookended by these two statements. And if he is our shepherd, we don't need anything else. We'll be with him all the days of our life. A good shepherd is also with his flock. He knows where they are. And Jesus knows where you are. I've told you the story about when we're in Africa. About the goats. Have I told you that one? Well, I'll tell you it now. It's a bit of bad shepherd. We were, well, we were just driving from a church or a Bible school, something. We were driving from a service, booking her down the road. And in Africa, in Benin anyway, people are just lined up on the highways everywhere you go, trying to sell you stuff, hoping you slow down. Um, it's just busy. There's people everywhere. And we're driving. And then all of a sudden, these two goats appear from behind the wall of people and we couldn't stop there was a couple of thumps and the goats were gone (laughs) because that shepherd did not know where his goats were he was not a good shepherd those goats weren't coming home tonight and he had no idea why because he wasn't with them I told that story in Benin and they didn't think it was as funny as I did But a good shepherd is with the flock. A good shepherd knows where his flock is at all times. Not like that shepherd. Jesus knows where you are. Jesus knows what you're dealing with. He knows what you're going through, what you're living with. All right. We're all together still. I feel like I'm just up here old school, taking my time. (laughs) The third thing is a good shepherd brings other sheep into the fold. Verse 16 of John 10, it says, The other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice and shall be one fold and one shepherd. And at this time, Jesus' ministry or his focus was mainly on the people of Israel to the Jews. 
And the Gentiles were coming. He said, other sheep I have that are not of this fold. He's talking about us. He's talking about the Gentiles, people who didn't know him yet. When the church was born in Acts 2, it started with the Jews. But a few chapters later, there was a a Gentile, non-Jew man named Cornelius. And him and his family were filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized into the church. And there it started. Romans 11 talks about Gentiles, non-Jews being grafted in like a tree. Made part of, part of it, part of the family of God. Jesus said, I've got a flock here. But there are going to be more who hear my voice and are added in. The church is meant to grow. The flock is meant to grow. And it happens by people hearing the voice of Jesus. Matthew 10 and 20 tells us that he speaks through us. And through his word, through his spirit, and through his church, He speaks, we hear his voice, and more are added to the flock. What is he saying through you? What is he saying through us? Can they hear his voice? Or is it just our voice they hear? Can they see the shepherd, or they just see the sheep? He said, there shall be one fold and one shepherd. There's one church. There's one God, no matter the race, language, nationality, organization, musical preference. Age, whatever the thing is that we use to divide us, there's one church, one fold, one shepherd. He says, for as many as you who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. This is Galatians 3. He says, for as many of you as, oh my word, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Or, in the words of John 10, come through the door. You've come through the door. You've been saved. And then verse 28, he says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are one. There's one flock. We are one church. Together, racism, prejudice, all that stuff doesn't exist in the church. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world. Everyone. Not a handful. not Not a few the world, all. He died for all and he laid down his life for all. The fourth thing. So the good shepherd lays down his life. The good shepherd knows his sheep. The good shepherd adds more to the flock. The fourth thing is he takes up his life again. Verse um, 17-18. to Therefore doth my father love me because I laid down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received from my Father. Anyone can die. It's not hard to die. If you want to do it, I mean, it's not hard to do. Anyone can do it. But not anyone can just take their life up again when they want to. It would be nice if you could, but we can't. He says, I lay down my life as a voluntary Thing. John 19 and 30 says it, he gave up the ghost. It was a voluntary thing. He laid down his life, but then he said, that I might take it up again. What good is a dead shepherd? No good at all. He loves us so much that he was willing to die and pay the price for us, but he loved us so much that he was willing to rise again and be the shepherd that we needed. Some scriptures, Acts 2, 32, Romans 6, 4, 
Hebrews 13 and 20 say that the Father raised the Son from the dead. But here Jesus says He's the one that's going to do it. He has authority to do it. And this is true because the Father and the Son, they work in harmony because they are one. Later on in this chapter, He says in verse 30, I and my Father are one. Jesus, as the good shepherd, loves his flock so much that he's willing to pay the price to purchase us with his blood, to lay down his life, but he's also willing to take it up again to be with us. That's love, that's dedication. My wife could come play something. These are the hardest things, I think, that come up with this song. All the pressure's on. And of course, when Jesus says this in the story, it causes the people um, to flip out and get angry. Because he's basically saying again that he's God, but not clearly. Because once he does that, they crucify him. It's kind of right in this time. He basically says in a roundabout way that he's God again. Because God is the only one who can raise someone from the dead. But here's Jesus saying that he has the power to take up his life. Verse 19 and 21 says, There was a vision again uh, among the Jews for these sayings, and many of them said, He hath the devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Another said, These are not the words of him that hath the devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? So the people were kind of torn. Some of them were like, Well, he healed this guy. Chapter 9. So I, I don't know. And other ones were like, Yeah, he's crazy. Get rid of him. People were divided, and that makes sense because he started this whole thing off saying that he was the door. And doors, by their very nature, divide. You're on one side of the door, you're on the other side. Or you're in the way. <laughs> They're separate. You're either in or you're out. That's probably... And you knew I was going to preach about the Good Shepherd. It's probably not the way I thought it would go. We normally would just go to Psalm 23 and go through that and how He loves us and He protects us and He provides for us. And all that's true, obviously. Today I just thought we'd approach it a little different the way Jesus did in John. But He is our Good Shepherd, He's your Good Shepherd. He laid down his life for you. He knows your name. He knows your needs. He knows who you are. He knows where you are. He knows you. And as his sheep, we need to know him. It says, when the enemy, the wolf, or whatever comes in, and the sheep don't know this other voice. We need to know him so much, so well, sorry, that all the other voices sound nothing like him. We need to know his voice. He's constantly bringing other sheep into the fold. We are one fold, one church when we come through him and he took up his life again so you wouldn't be left alone and defenseless. That's a good shepherd. So this morning, as we stand together today, let's pray and let's thank Him for the sacrifice. Let's thank Him for the closeness that He has given us, for His knowing 
us and who we are and what we're going through. So let's thank him for that. And then let's commit to knowing him better. To help lead others to the fold. To be that light reflecting in the darkness. Whatever, whatever you want to worry when you pray. Part of being part of his flock is to invite others in through the door. So let's, my wife's saying, let's pray this one. Let's take some time. Let's thank him for all he's done for us. Thank you for being that shepherd. And let's commit to knowing him more, drawing closer to him.